All right, so we are in today uh, what I believe is the last message in our Faith to Move Forward series. We have been in this series for months, and it has been a personal encouragement and strength for me. Um, I don't think we've ever spent this much time in any sermon series ever. And I, I hope that you, you're able to remember kind of the idea and the themes that we've been wrestling with and that faith is rising up in your heart and that indeed the sermon series has pre- prepared you for this time, this season that we're in now. Because as God would have done it and only God would do it, he kind of cued all of this up so that we can have faith to walk in this next season that God is bringing us into as a church. And certainly that's just us corporately. I know that God is bringing you as individuals into moments where you need to exercise faith, into family situations, into financial situations, into friend situations where where God is, where you feel things pressing on you. God has allowed pressure to come to you so that you can exercise the faith that we've been talking about and walk in the faith that he's called us to walk in. And uh, to, to bring this, we're going to, last week we talked about the unshakable God that we have in, in Yahweh, the unshakable God that we have and how he is alive and seated at the right hand of the father. And what we have uh, this week is we're going to talk about the unshakable kingdom that we're in. Uh, and to do that, I just want to, I want to go backwards. I want to remember the four main points that we covered last week about our unshakable God, because that sets up the unshakable kingdom that we exist in now and that God has called us to walk and live in. The four opportunities that we have in a time of uncertainty or instability or pain or sorrow, really the time that we, the opportunity that we have all the time is these things, but, but it's moments of instability or insecurity or change or transition that, that, that rattle us. And, and that's oftentimes when we're prompted to remember. But what we have is an opportunity to know that God is not shaken. He is not surprised. He is not terrified. He's not, he's not trembling at the, at the uncertainty that we have or the circumstances that have changed around us or that we feel kind of helpless or, or like what else is going to move. He doesn't feel that way. In fact, it's his word. It's his voice that shakes everything, that makes other things tremble. He's not the one who trembles. We need to remember also that it creates an opportunity for us to remember that we need a savior and that we have a savior in Jesus Christ and no one and no thing can take his place and give us the, the result that we so desperately need, which is salvation and security and safety and freedom. The third opportunity that we have is to experience the grace of God because he doesn't expose our need for a savior without then drawing near and providing the thing that we need so desperately. He's, he's not cruel in that he's like, hey, look at all your weaknesses. Oh yeah, I just thought I'd let you know. That'd be brutal. Have you ever been in an assessment like that where somebody just tells you about your weaknesses and then you're like, eh. <laughs> you're like, eh, uh, can, how do I work with this? Can you help me or is this just how it's going to be? I'm just weak here and sorry. So then we have the opportunity to be recommissioned as the grace of God draws near to us, brings redemption and freedom to us. We have the opportunity to receive a commission from God and to labor with him in his purpose and, in, and to, to join in the mission of God and to be, and to be um, ambassadors and to be partakers in this. Okay? And so that's kind of where we step into the kingdom of heaven. As we're commissioned, we're commissioned into to his work and into his purposes and into his people. And that's where we find ourselves with, with the kingdom of heaven. Now we're going to come from Hebrews chapter 12. 
verses 28 and 29. But before we get there, I want to bring you up to speed about what's been happening. So Hebrews chapter 11, what we were talking about is uh, we were talking about the need for faith. And the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, faith is your inheritance. It's in your DNA. It's who you are. It's how your, it's how your ancestors lived. They lived by faith. And you are at a time now, Hebrews, where you need to operate in faith, not just in tradition. You can't just do what's been done always, you know, for the generations that just preceded you. But you need to step into a place where you trust God and you trust him on his merit, even though it's a terrifying moment. And that's kind of where we find ourselves as a church, isn't it? Where we're like, okay, so things have been, but that's not what we do. That's not how we do it. But God is inviting us to have faith in him and to trust him in all things and to find our security and our peace and our hope and our joy in him and in him alone. And so he's, he's coaching them and telling them, hey, remember Abraham, remember Enoch, remember Moses, remember all these men who have gone before us, remember the hall of faith, right? Remember Samson, remember David, remember Deborah, remember Barak, remember all these people who have gone before us in faith. And he's saying, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn, Hebrews, to step up in faith and to live the life that God has called you to. Now it's our turn, Grace Covenant Church, to rise up and operate in faith and to seek out the face of God and to walk in the purposes and the call that he has for us. And then in chapter 12, verse 2, he's telling them exactly who they're going to find their purpose and exactly who they're going to find their faith in, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. He's saying that Jesus is the one who initiates our faith and he's the one who sees it through. Faith is a response to what Jesus is doing and has done and will do. And it presses on us and faith comes out. But he's also the one that's going to see it through. We don't have to accomplish the thing that we, we, we think. Or that we don't have to accomplish the thing that he promised he'd do. Certainly we cooperate with him, but we don't cause the result. It's Jesus. And then we're moving on in chapter 12 and, and, and the author goes into this kind of neat moment where he creates this contrast between where the Hebrews were, what their faith was and, and what their faith is going to become in this moment as they, begin to, as they begin to put their faith and trust and hope in Christ. It's that before, before Jesus became flesh and walked among them, God met them on a mountain. And he met them on a mountain and he, and he established a covenant with these people. And he met them on a mountain and established the Ten Commandments. And he's like, guys, this is, as you live according to these commandments, it's going to be a sign to all of heaven, earth, and hell, and the grave, and to everyone and everything who's ever lived and ever will, that, that I'm your God and you're my people. And so he established these covenant, you know, the Ten Commandments, and and the people took it and they and they and they ran with it, and 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 it was at that time that that nobody could even approach the mountain because if they if an animal ran up on the mountain, it'd be it'd be killed because the presence of God was so was so real. And and what the author of Hebrews does then is he contrasts it to another mountain. He contrasts it to a mountain that that Jesus came. And Jesus started, established a new covenant, this time not through Ten Commandments, but this time through, through the cross. It's not through, not through the, 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 um, the following of these laws and these rules anymore. It's not going to be, that's not going to be the thing that, that is the sign between God and, and his people. Now the sign between God and his people is what happened at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus after he died. Amen. So now the sign of those who believe is that they're following Jesus. 
that they're surrendered to him and they put their faith and their trust and their hope in him. So he's created this contrast. And, and now he's saying, so as you've received Jesus and as you are now in this new covenant, you're in this new relationship, you're in this new season where it's not going to be marked by the rules and the regulations. It's going to be marked by, by the relationship with Jesus because of what he's done on our behalf and what he promises that he'll do for us. If we find ourselves, we come all the way up to, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. And I would love for you to stand with me so that we can read this together. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. This is God's word for us. Jesus, we love you. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts today and that you would, ah, gosh, stir our hearts for your kingdom and for your purposes. That we would give ourselves fully to be used by you how you would desire. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So our unshakable God has established an unshakable kingdom. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that, not, that cannot be shaken. I want to talk about what this kingdom that's unshakable. And then I want to talk about two appropriate responses to that kingdom. But I'm going to spend probably the bulk of the time talking about, about this kingdom that Jesus established and that we are citizens of when we put our faith and hope and trust in him. Every kingdom has certain uh, characteristics or attributes to be a kingdom. Um, it, one of the things that, that is required to have a kingdom is a king, <laughs> a ruler, right? If you've got a kingdom without a ruler, I, that's the most chaotic kingdom you will have ever seen. And so in, in the kingdom of heaven, our king is Jesus. And he stands as, as ruler of all things. He, as uh, Pastor Germaine said in communion, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. For all things exist for him and through him. And, and so we have this king who has always lived and always will live. And it, the, the, uh, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus are historical facts. But that doesn't mean that he's still in the past. And sometimes what we do is we accidentally leave Jesus in the past. We leave him resurrected. We leave him, you know, on Easter Sunday being like, hey, guys, surprise, I'm not dead. And we leave Jesus there and we forget that he's alive today. And it's because he's alive today that he has the power and the authority to bring us the freedom and the deliverance that we need even today. And so we need to remember that the king of this heavenly kingdom is alive today and his name is Jesus. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be terrified. I know that in a, in a time like this, I mean, gosh, never mind what's happening in our, in our, in our, in our church and our congregation with transition, which makes us uneasy. What's been happening in, in the United States, uh, you know, what's been happening 25 miles, you know, east has been making us nervous and shaky, hasn't it? You know, with the whole, the whole hearing, the judiciary system and, and, and all of that, right? Without being political, I'll just, I'll just say that, that that is, man, what a terrible time. 
But, but God is doing something. He's shaking things. And he's saying, hey, I've known something was wrong for a really long time. And now you know that something's been wrong for a really long time. What we're seeing is the fruit of a lot of stuff that's been wrong for a long time. And it's just been covered up by moralism and by, by, by lies and by this thought that if we could just be good enough, somehow the good things that we do can outmeasure the bad stuff that we do. And then everything will wash and we'll be good. Instead of saying, no, we're desperately sick people and we need a savior. And it's easy to go, oh man, that man is terrible, or this person is that, or that person is this. But we need to make sure that we as believers don't stand in judgment of other people, but recognize that we've all stood under judgment of God. And we need to look inside and go, oh my goodness, I'm in need of a savior. The other, while I'm on this rabbit trail, I'll say that, I'll say that we need to make sure that we pray. Family, everybody was praying before the election because everybody wanted a specific result. And so it's like, we got to pray. We got to pray that my person gets in. And then if my person gets in, then I don't have to pray anymore. And then if my person doesn't get in, I'm not going to pray for them. It's to all of our benefit that we pray for our leaders. It's for all of our benefit that we cry out for this nation. It's for all of our benefit that we cry out for actors and we cry out for uh, athletes and we cry out for politicians. It's for all of our benefit, family. That we pray for those in authority and we pray for those in positions of influence. It'd be easy to stand and look at, at church leaders who have fallen and everybody's like, well, the problem's the mega church. No! It's people fall in small churches too. It's like, oh, if they just led a small church, they wouldn't have fallen. Man, I, I was most prideful when I had three people in my small group. <laughs> I was, I, I'm the man! Don't tell me this isn't 5,000 people. Jesus only had 12 disciples. I'm a quarter of the way to Jesus. (laughs) Right? I was like all swole up on myself, feeling myself when I was a campus minister, had three people coming to, you know, and one of them, one of them was on the wrestling team and he came sometimes. So that's like major influence. Y'all don't know the influence I've got. That's a mess, man. And, and that's after months of nobody attending the Bible study at all. Just sitting by myself, inviting people and sitting at the coffee shop and being like, well, I hope somebody shows up. And, and being like, well, I guess I'll read the Bible by myself. <laughs> it's, that's really what happened. And I was like, I was like, this is terrible. I don't like, I don't like doing, it's, I don't like doing ministry. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. And so I just read the Bible and talk to the baristas. And then it turned out that was the ministry. You know, like I I thought I was going to establish a meeting. God was calling me to go establish a ministry. Right? God didn't call us to establish a a, a meeting on Sunday mornings. He's called us to establish a ministry where we care for one another and love one another and lift one another up and encourage one another and cheer each other on. More on that in just a minute. But we gotta, we got to cry out. And so the problem, uh, the megachurch thing, right? Pray for our leaders. When you meet somebody of influence, don't go, oh, I hope they don't fall. Pray for them. Turn that thought into a prayer. God, sustain this leader. You know, I see these thought leaders in, the Christian, in, in, in Christendom, and I'm like, man, y- y- I can only imagine the pressure that's coming at this dude. 
or this woman. Let me pray for you. Let me, let me intercede on your behalf. Let me cry out to God on your behalf for your benefit, but also for the benefit of the world. And that's our responsibility. So, so we have, I don't even know what point that was. Am I talking about our king? Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, there's a rule. There's a rule in this kingdom. Every king establishes rules. Every, every kingdom has authority that he walks in and he establishes a way of life. And, and Jesus established this upside down rule for his kingdom, didn't he? Like you, you look at the, uh, if, if, if you look at Matthew chapter five at the, at the, um, the Beatitudes and really what he's doing is he's saying, hey, there's this kingdom of heaven and it's going to be completely different than the way that you guys operate. And it's going to, it's going to mess you up because if you don't know what's coming it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be perplexing and even when you know it's coming it's still perplexing he's like he opened their mouth and taught them and he's gonna he's gonna help them understand the kingdom of heaven and the values in it and the way that things work there and he's like blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven wait what blessed are those who mourn for they're gonna be comforted hold up hold up i thought we ran over those people I thought they were weak and we needed to, to use them to serve our purposes. And he's like, no, 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 no. We, 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 they're going to be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek for they're going to inherit their, inherit the earth. Wait a second. Meek, by the way, is controlled strength. Blessed are those who control their strength. Why? Because they're going to inherit the earth. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. But what about riches, God? Righteousness? I thought we were supposed to hunger and thirst for riches. But he's turning this whole thing on its head. And so blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Look at the priorities in this kingdom. Look at the priorities that he's, that he's focusing on. And as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, sometimes I read these and I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm drifting. Because, because in, in my upcoming transition, I'm, I'm trying to get my mind around that I'm going to have to live in a smaller house. But how have, our, how have our priorities shifted from the unworldly priorities that God is establishing in this moment to the worldly priorities that so quickly consume us and capture our attention? There's a rule. His rule is unshakable because he's unshakable. There's a dominion. There's like an area that, that a kingdom establishes. So there are boundaries and, and walls on, on every kingdom to keep bad stuff from getting in and, and to keep your good stuff from being taken. <laughs> the dominion of God is the entire earth. It belongs to him. Now, here's the tricky thing. We exist in the kingdom of heaven, but in the kingdom of this world at the same time. The season that we're in now as believers is one where Christ has established his kingdom. He brought his kingdom. If you, if you look at the gospels, he says, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message that he came, he came preaching. He's like, the kingdom of heaven is here and it's now and I'm establishing it. And I'm inviting you in to be a part of this thing and to help establish it. That's going to be a big part of your, a big part of your work, right? Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. And so he's establishing this kingdom and we're going to be witnesses of this kingdom. 
kingdom by, by demonstrating the power and the love and the grace and the mercy and the justice and the righteousness of our unshakable God who established this unshakable kingdom. Now we are his representative. We are his representatives. But we exist in a time where there's another kingdom that has other priorities. And sometimes we're the ones with the other priorities. At a war in ourselves, like I just described, where it's like, oh, I, I feel this priority to, to go and I feel this priority to stay and to keep. Yeah. When we have an opportunity to give of our, our, our resources, we have the opportunity to, to operate in generosity, but we also have the opportunity to hold tightly to what we already have. There are two kingdoms and they're warring for attention and there's, there's a battle that goes on and we feel that in our own soul, but it's something that exists in the kind of a global cosmic sense that, that, that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this world are at odds with one another. One is saying love and be generous and hospitable and compassion and kind. And one is saying, get yours while you can get it because it's running out. Yeah. And we all fall victim to, to operating from another kingdom priority from time to time, don't we? I didn't expect a lot of amens because I know that was a personal thing, but <laughs> somebody said, ouch, thank you. In this kingdom, well, let me say that, let me say that these opposing priorities is, is what killed Jesus. It is what resulted in the death of Jesus because here's the one perfectly resembling the kingdom of God because it's his and we couldn't stand it. So much that the only solution that man could come up with was to kill him. Maybe if we kill him, we'll shut down this kingdom. We'll shut down this message and the, and the revolution won't occur. Little did they know that it would only affirm what he was coming to bring. Little did they know when they killed him that he wasn't going to stay dead. He was going to rise from the dead. And in his resurrection, he was going to prove himself to be the son of God and to prove himself to be, to have the authority to establish the kingdom that he was talking about establishing. Not just talking about itself, that he was presently establishing. Every time he healed a sick person, every time somebody gained vision, every time he spoke truth, every time he, he spoke and life leapt inside of someone, every time he condemned sin and convict, and people were convicted of their sin and convicted of righteousness and, and of his, of his mercy and compassion towards them. The kingdom is being established. Now every kingdom has people. I guess if it's a, a human kingdom, it has people. I guess you could have an animal kingdom like planet of the apes. That's a, an ape kingdom, but that's a movie. So, um, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) There are people and the people of the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a, it's a timeless and a kind of a boundless people because it's everybody who's ever aligned their heart and their purpose with God himself through Jesus Christ. These people are a reconciled people. They're reconciled to God and reconciled to one another and carry with them a ministry of reconciliation. We carry with us a responsibility to reconcile people to God as we are reconciled with God and to help people be reconciled to one another as we have been reconciled with one another. You can find diversity at the library, but reconciliation is something that you can only find in Jesus Christ because he's the only one who promises to deal with the root that results in racism and, and prejudice and all the other issues that come up in the hearts of man. He's the only one who lays the axe to the root of sin. Everybody else just describes it and asks you to cover it with more dirt. 
We exist for each other and for God's glory. Sometimes it can be hard to remember. It can be hard to see the kingdom of God operating around you because of difficult circumstance, or maybe you're just tired or hungry, right? Like the Snickers commercials with Betty White. It's like, bro, you like, she's in the huddle and, they, and they're like, you need a Snickers and he eats the Snickers and then he's back to being himself. And right, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, okay, thank you. So <laughs> it's like, that was a terrible example. Otherwise, what's he talking about Betty White for? Um, so, so what we have is a, a people who are, who are reconciled to one another, but we also have, in, so we can remind each other of the kingdom that we exist in. Who can remind us of what's, what's truest about our situation right now. So that when we lose that job and, we're, and we can't see because we, we've lost the job or because we got bills we can't pay and we can't see the kingdom, we can't sense the kingdom, we forget about the kingdom because things are pressing in on us so hard. It's hard to find God. It's hard to find his kingdom. We exist in a community together. We exist as a body, the word says, so that we can encourage one another. As long as the days are hard, that there is a king and there is a kingdom that we dwell in that where we can be safe and we can be secure and we can, be, and we can find fulfillment in the life that God's given us. I'm thankful for Pastor Eddie and Pastor Jermaine in my life because of what they bring to me. They bring a perspective and a reminder to me about, about, about the kingdom reality that I'm in. If I'm going through a tough time, I'm thankful for Andrew Jackson and Keith Temple and J.C. Sherrod, even though he walked out a little bit earlier. But I'm cool. I'm cool with that, J.C., wherever you are. My heart, I'll just, I'll get over it. I'm going to forgive because we're reconciled. I'm just going to look at your chair and just remember when, when you used to sit in the sermon. <laughs> I'm grateful for it because they remind me of the kingdom reality that I exist in. They remind me of the promises that I would forget about. Now, that's the next part, that there are certain promises. So there are people and there are also promises in this kingdom that we exist in. There are privileges that come with being citizens of a, of a certain kingdom. And the kingdom privilege that we have, I don't have enough time. You're going to have to read the Bible and find them. <laughs> but but, but one of, it's, it's relationship with God, for one, which is should we should hold way higher than everything else. And you're like, what else? What else? Right? Because we want the other things. But like, let's, just, let's just say that you get God and leave it at that. And if you can't be happy with that, uh, work on it. Um, <laughs> should, I, should I say something or no? No. No, reconciliation is one of them. You get each other and you're like, I don't like that gift. Can I give it back? And no, you can't give it back because we're each other's gift. Hey, JC, welcome back. (laughs) Nobody noticed. (laughs) But we, we, we exist in a, we exist in an unshakable kingdom because we serve an unshakable God. Right now, don't do it, but I, I was thinking it'd be so cool if you turned to your neighbor and you shook him and you said, don't do it. It's a bad idea. But it'd be like, we live in an unshakable kingdom. I thought that would just be really ironic, but <laughs> don't do it. Here's the thing about the people in this unshakable kingdom is that none of them earn their way. None of them earn their, their way in. It was gifted to all of us because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is not something that you've earned. It didn't say, because be, be grateful because you've earned it. You deserve it. You deserve two of them. You work so hard. He's like, no, no, you've received it. It's something that I've given you because as my grace is drawn near to you, this is, this is what I'm gifting you with. I'm gifting you with 
relationship and I'm gifting you with others. I'm gifting you with my word. I'm gifting you with my Holy Spirit that will sustain you. I'm gifting you with, with healing. I'm gifting you with health. I'm gifting you with fulfilling life. I didn't say easy life. I said fulfilling life because you can have a fulfilling life even in the most difficult of circumstances. Of these people, there are no spectators. We've all been commissioned to work and establish the kingdom on earth. Let me say this also, that, that you get an identity, you get an ID, you get, a, you get a, an ID with, when you become a citizen of somewhere. And before I'm anything else, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Before I'm anything else, I'm a son of God. Before anything else, I belong to him. Before I'm white, before I'm American, before I'm a husband, before I'm a father, before I'm a friend, before I'm a son or a daughter. My primary, my primary identity is a son of God. It's a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Before anything, before my membership at Grace Covenant Church, before my membership, uh, as a, before, before anything else, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I belong to him. He's my king and he's given me people to do life with and to encourage and to be encouraged by. And he's given us power to walk in. And he's given us grace to experience the fullness of life with one another for our benefit and for his glory. Because as we do this, God is glorified and and the world looks on and the Bible promises that people will know us by our love one for another. So as people look on and they see us operating in this kingdom of heaven, yeah, maybe somebody will, there'll be some some pressure, be like, well, why why are you living that way? Why aren't you prioritizing this? Why why is your life different in this way? And I'm not talking about just wearing like burlap pants. It's like, why is your character and the way of your life so different than the way of everybody else's life is because I belong, I live, I breathe in another kingdom. And so as people see that God is going to be glorified. Now here's how we should respond in in closing is that, is that we need to respond by being grateful. Therefore, let us be grateful, right? Because we've received it. Let us be grateful. Oh, I, I messed that one up. Did I mess up that slide too? For receiving? I, I deleted that. So excuse that. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us off. Yeah. So let us be grateful. Gratitude is, is, um, gratitude is so absolutely critical to our making it for the long run in our walk with God. If you want to finish strong, you need to practice gratitude. Because, because what happens is, what, what happens is when, when gratitude starts slipping away, what happens, what, what, what happens with that is also when, when our gratitude turns away, so does our trust and so does our hope and so does our belief in Him. You know, we go from, from being grateful and man, you've given us this, this unshakable kingdom. That's incredible. It's like, well, you know, you could have also given me a new car. And you could have also given me a, a better house. And you could have also given me better people. And you could have also given me a better, a better job. And you could have also given me that promotion. And you could have also given me that person's wife. And you could also have given me that person's boyfriend. And you could have also given me these other things. And all of a sudden, you see what happens? It's like gratitude shrinks as, as lust and, and perversion grows. 
And so what happens is we, we, our affection for God is, is expressed through gratitude becomes like, kind of like, oh, I don't even really want that anymore. I want these other things. And we'll find ourselves pleased to walk away if we don't operate towards him with a, a spirit of gratitude. You tracking? So if you want to, if you, if, it doesn't mean that you need to be happy-go-lucky every day. It doesn't mean that there's not difficult times, difficult moments, difficult seasons where, where, you, where you, you're struggling and you've got people reminding you of the kingdom, right? It doesn't mean that you're going to be like, hey, hot dog, it's, it's Monday. I get to go to work in kingdom of heaven, glory, just I'm grateful. That doesn't mean that's going to be your disposition. Hi, diddly ho, neighbor, like the, like the Simpsons guy, right? Ned Flanders. You don't, that doesn't mean that that's going to be your disposition and that's going to be your attitude towards all things. But it, but it does mean that you need to get there quickly. It does mean that you can't let the, the position or the posture of ingratitude take over your life. Certainly there's hard moments, but you can't let that hard moment and the weight of that moment become the posture that you stand in. You hold the weight for a moment, you can hold it, right? You hold the weight too long and it becomes your posture. I, uh, I, I worked on a, a roof on the missions trip in, in Mexico this, this, in June. And, you know, I'm, I'm bending over and, you know, you're doing it. And, you know, it's like you get so sore standing on a roof when you haven't stood on a roof. And so, but, but then I, I was talking to a guy a couple months ago who did roofing as a job. And his back is like this. It's his posture. Because where I just visited that spot... He lived there day after day after day after day after day. And so what happens when you encounter some difficulty, if you visit that spot of difficulty, you can be like, this is difficult, but I'm just up here for a day. I'm just up here for a day. I'm just up here for a week. It's a hard moment, but I know God's bringing victory. I know God's bringing peace. I know God's bringing freedom. I know he's making things possible that I can't do for myself. And you set your eyes on what God's trying to do for you on your behalf through this difficult season. And it gives you strength for the moment because you know you're going to be off that roof. But then there's a person who's up there every single day. And it's like, I'm just here and I'm going to be here all day, every day for the rest of my days. That's not our disposition as believers. That's not our place in the kingdom. We need to live with gratitude. The biggest problem for Adam and Eve may have been gratitude. So here they are in the garden. (laughs) Food all around them. He's got a job. He can name all the animals. (laughs) He's got a good job. He's really the only one. They cultivate the garden and and work on it, but the ground isn't cursed yet, so it's easy. Right? So he's going to have to prune some trees that are perfect, and he's perfect, so, like, not hard. (laughs) Right? It's It's like, hey, I feel like pruning trees today, and the trees are like, thank you. Right? It's just like a friendly thing, like thorn, no thorns. It's like, it's like, this is great. And you can eat from anything you want. It's just this one place. And I don't even know what the lack of gratitude is. Ingratitude, is that a word? Yes. <laughs> Ingratitude gripped his heart, gripped her heart. And it's like, but they won't, he won't let us eat from that tree. I'm sure all this stuff is it's fine, but 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 the snake. The, 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 I want I want that one. And all it took was a little bit of tempting. He doesn't want you to be like him. Why is he? Why doesn't he want us to be like him? Why is he keeping good things from us? Why is he holding us back from this thing? He was holding what seemed to be a good thing back from them, because he knew it would destroy them. 
but ingratitude stole their lunch. And they got hungry for the wrong thing. Perhaps this is why James says, give thanks in all circumstances. Because he knows that if you shift your attention from giving thanks and gratitude towards God, your heart is quick to follow. And we need to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I like he kind of starts defining what acceptable worship is like with reverence and awe. It means that we don't just bring worship to him the way that we want to bring worship to him. We worship the way that he wants us to worship. Now, it doesn't mean how we... So, like, you could have a bluegrass band, stained glass, stained glass bluegrass, is that what it's called? Country. You know, with a tub and a bass that's made with a broom and a string. You could worship God that way if you want. Somebody said, all right. I think that was, like, disgust, though. Like, all right. Thanks. I'm not sure where you're going. I'm pretty sure they're not in the kingdom. <laughs> no, those are our cousins. Those are our cousins in the kingdom. They like that. And they worship that way. There's somebody in our church whose father plays the saw. We've got a big family in the kingdom. <laughs> plays the saw. I don't even know how you play a saw. With a bow and he just plays the saw. So that's a, that's a thing. It doesn't tell us exactly how a service of worship needs to be or, or, or what songs you have to do or how you should do them or how many times you should sing the chorus or which verse you like the most. It doesn't tell us that. But it tells us the position and the orientation of our heart in the worship that we're to lift up to God. And we ought to do it with reverence and awe, remembering that our God is a consuming fire. Back to Jesus, not just living in the past. It would also be easy to mistake Jesus as just being like a, a, a carp- just being a carpenter. And just being a man who's who's kind and and shook up the religious elite. And you're like, well, I'm not a religious elite, so he's not going to shake me up. No, he wants to shake you up too. But he's a consuming fire. And and there's nothing outside of his his uh, power and strength to do. And we need to be rem- we need to be mindful of that reality when we draw near to him. So when we say, thank you, Jesus, just as I am, I come. Yeah. It's, it's with a reverence and awe, recognizing that he's an all-powerful God. And he is worthy of reverence. He's worthy of respect. And I hope, that, I hope that when people look back at this time in church, you know, in another couple hundred years, that they don't look back and say the jeans and the, and the rolled up, Shirts and the unbutton the, the the untucked shirts. I hope I hope it's not decided that that was a mistake. I hope that the lights and the fog machines and the and and the and the stem tracks that, that the musicians used to aid them. I I hope we don't look back at that and go, that was a disaster. Because every generation has thought that they were doing well in the generation that they were doing it in. And there, there are many places that we look back at and we go, oh, that was a disaster. I hope what happens is that we remember this as a time where people dressed more casually, but their hearts became more reverent. Yeah. That the musicianship and, and production increased, but more so their awe and their respect for God. And family, I hope that's something that we don't lose as we are inheritors of the kingdom of heaven that our unshakable God purchased on our behalf. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be people of your kingdom who worship you in spirit and in truth, who honor you with our lives, honor you with our way of life, with our relationships, with our resources. All of this is possible only because of what you've done on our behalf. So we take this moment to respond to you and to respond to the things that you've been putting on our heart as we've prayed today. I want you to just take a moment and, and reflect. And if God pressed on your heart a little bit, it's the thought that you, where you went, ooh, I gotta, I gotta fix this or, oh, that was a wrong thought. Go ahead and just, let's just deal with that before God. And just, if you didn't say anything, if you didn't feel any prompting, let's enjoy Reggie's plank. Father, we come humbly before you. God, just as a congregation and freshly surrender to your headship, to your kingship, we acknowledge your lordship And with gratitude, we say thank you. Thank you for making a way for us to know you, to love you back. If there's anybody here today who you've been far from God and and today what's going on in your heart right now is a a fresh surrender to him. Or maybe maybe you've been around church, but you've never actually decided to follow Jesus. You've never surrendered to him. I want to pray with you. Can you raise your hand so so I can just join my faith to you this morning? See these hands. There's no better decision to make. And you can put them down once you put it up. It's It's not about raising your hand. If you raised your hand, you could just pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender. I acknowledge that I've lived according to my own pattern. But today I surrender. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that have been offensive to you, that have broken your rule of law. I ask and I receive the forgiveness that you have afforded me in Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I too can rise, experience eternal life. Give me the courage to follow you and to trust you with everything. Amen.